0: We're going to do a whole book today. We're going, we're going to preach a whole book. And we get to Hebrews. I don't know. I may I may shy back away from that and go go back to Corinthians or something like that. Hebrews is more of a Bible study. There's good stuff in there. I mean, that's my that's I say it all the time. Hebrews is actually my favorite. I love it when you get over to chapter number nine. I've always loved types. When I when I first saw types, I said, there it is. There's God's hand in writing the book. There's God's hand in everybody's life. He creates a tapestry. This ain't got nothing to do with the sermon this morning. I'm just talking. But, you know, with God, in the Old Testament, you look back there and you see those types and you say, well, God was weaving a tapestry the whole time. And you see those... Uh, those sacrifices and offerings you know how the, the, on the surface we know that lamb that was slain for the sins we know Jesus Christ they make it plain they God makes it plain in the New Testament John the Baptist says when he saw Jesus coming down the hill he was baptizing everybody he saw Jesus coming he said behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world and we see that type that lamb was a type of Jesus Christ You look in the life of Joseph. You see Joseph rejected by his brothers. Again, this isn't in the sermon. I'm just having fun right now. But you see Joseph rejected by his brothers. And he's cast off. And I think it was for a few pieces of silver too. But uh, you see these types of Jesus Christ. You see Joseph as a type of Jesus Christ in his life. And you see him rejected and going away. And then he's raised up on Pharaoh's right hand. Pharaoh is a type of God, if you can get your mind around that. Pharaoh a type of God, and, G- and Joseph as a type of Jesus Christ. He's right-hand man to Pharaoh, and he's there to deliver his brothers when they come back. And they recognize him. They see him that first time. They didn't see him as a Savior that first time. That second time, they see him as their Savior. You know? And it's just food and stuff. But God wove a tapestry throughout Joseph's life. Joseph was in that prison. And he, he couldn't know, known. He, he never knew in his lifetime what God was doing with his life. We also see it with David when we see these types throughout the Bible. And I love that. So when you get to the book of Hebrews, it talks about the types. It talks about Jesus being a better, a better high priest. Jesus is a better, uh, as it goes through, a better tabernacle. And uh, that's as far as I will go there. But I like I like Hebrews for that for that reason. But here we are in the book of Philemon. We were looking at Titus and Paul was, has written some letters. We looked a little bit at Timothy. We didn't go too far in there, but uh, we looked at Titus and Paul's talking to a young preacher, and he reminds him these are the things to preach about when you're preaching to the Cretans. You gotta you gotta be a little hard on them. Gotta let them know. But we get to Philemon. God's not writing a letter to a young preacher or anything like that. and it, This this letter is totally different out of the, the letters that we have in the Bible. This was a letter written for a specific purpose. I doubt that Paul, when he wrote this letter, thought this would be a good one to to, to put in the Bible. You know, if he ever thought about putting all the scrolls in one place, I doubt he thought about this one going into going into the bundle with the rest of them. He was just thinking about a young man named Onesimus. Paul's there in Rome and he's, he's been taken prisoner. You know, he, he, he took the journey. Uh, he, well, he got taken on a journey to Rome and he's there held prisoner and he's under house arrest and he's able to have visitors. He's able to write letters. He's waiting for his trial. And, uh, He starts it off. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And we'll go on a little bit here in a minute. But Paul's there and this young man, Onesimus, was a servant. And we're going to see this, but I'm just going to go through it a little bit ahead of time. Set the stage. Onesimus is a servant. He's a slave, I think. And He gets away from his master. He breaks away, he sneaks off, and he takes some money with him. Takes something with him. He steals some things to to have money to take care of himself, maybe. It doesn't tell us exactly, but we're kind of putting two and two together. And then somewhere along the way, as Onesimus heads to Rome, and we assume that he went to Rome because that's where Paul meets him. And he meets Paul, and Paul leads him to the Lord. And as he leads Paul to the Lord, and you can just imagine as Onesimus is there, he's thinking this whole time about how he's got to go back. You know, we were talking about our friend this morning. He, for, for reasons I'm not going to divulge, but he, just, he split off from where he's supposed to be. But it's hanging over his head until he comes back. You know, and I think with Onismus, it was hanging over his head. Here he's found a new life in Christ. Jesus has forgiven him of his sins and he realizes he did wrong. And he looks back at his life and he, he, he says, man, I shouldn't have done that. That was just wrong. I don't know about y'all. y'all. Y'all probably weren't as mean as I was. but And I've told y'all about this before, but you know, the closer I get to the other end of life, I'm not going to say old or whatever. I just did. But... <laughs> The, the closer I get, the more the past kind of haunts me. I mean, I almost wish that God would just let me walk around behind myself back in the early 90s so I, I just I could watch myself and go, don't do that. <laughs> That's stupid. You're going to regret that. Hey, don't, you know, look, you over here. For some reason, all those faces and all those reactions that I couldn't see when I was younger, as I get older, God kind of takes me back, and he shows me people I hurt. And now y'all weren't as mean as I was, I know. Right? Miss Johnny's looking at me like, what are you talking about? She said, I don't know anything about it. It's a blessing to forget, Miss Johnny. But before then, you know, God seems to bring stuff back. And Onesimus, as he's there with Paul, and Paul's showing him in the Scriptures, and Paul's looking at those types of things and, and showing him his new life in Christ, the whole time God pecking on his mind, I think. I think the Holy Spirit is convicting him, saying, you need to make that right. Maybe as he's sitting there watching Paul write the letter to the Corinthians, I don't know. I'm making that up. Don't get your doctrine confused. But maybe as he's sitting there watching Paul write letters to these different churches, maybe as he's sitting there watching Paul interact with these other, these other Christians that come to visit him and these other people, maybe as he sees Paul talking to these Roman soldiers, and these Roman soldiers say, you know, I need to make that right. And Onesimus is miles away from home. His home is in Colossae with Philemon. And uh, if you look in the next, next verse, and it says, To our beloved Aphea and to the church, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. See, Philemon had had a church in his house, and some of the commentators, Adrian Rogers, J. Vernon McGee, they say that Apophis, they they think that was maybe Philemon's wife, and that Archippus was maybe his son. But he thinks back to that family that he left and those things that he stole, and it just rides on him. And one day he said, "Paul, I've been watching. The Holy Spirit's been convicting me, and I need to I need to go back, Paul. I'd love to stay and help you. I'd love to to, to be able. Man, I would love to stay here. I can't. I, I got to go back." And Paul says, "What's the matter?" And he said, "Well, that church at Colossi. You were there." And and think about the providence that they would even meet over there in Rome. I don't think he went looking for him. might have just met him on the street one day. Didn't know who he was. Started talking to him about the Lord. I don't know. But he said, Paul, I need to go back. I need to make it right. I, I did some bad things. I need to go back and make it right. Paul said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, I live with a family. My master's name was Philemon. Philemon? Oh, you mean the one that's having the church in his house? Yeah, yeah. He 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 he's been yeah he's been having church. He said, yeah, I know him. I know of him. I, I met him briefly. He says, I tell you what. I'll send a letter back with you. And we'll talk to him. We'll see what we can do. All that's just to set the stage, just to get your mind thinking where we are. You know, you always got to be careful when I do that. Because it's like watching a cartoon about Moses. You're going to get the wrong picture in your head on some things. But I just want to kind of set the stage here. And some of y'all are saying, well, what's wrong with the cartoon? What's wrong with getting my doctrine from the cartoon? It says, Paul, I'm I'm picking, guys. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Appiah." And Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, I thought I might be bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. Whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him that is mine own vows. Whom I have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. Now, Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, specific, specially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account." I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owe unto me, even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord, refresh my vows in the Lord, having confidence in thine o- thy obedience. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But will prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Dare salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Demas Lucas, and my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So I read the whole letter so you could get a little context. But uh, as I was going through it and I thought about it. And in order to make it a little simpler to follow me, because I ramble, right? Yeah, we can be honest about it. Miss Celia hates it. Uh, oh, but uh, I look at this and I said, well, this is the this is kind of the road to reconciliation, or this is a road to reconciliation. And we've got three parts of this right now, and this is just to simplify it. But you've got the intercessor. Intercessory prayer, when you're praying for somebody else, when you put someone above yourself, I always think back to Moses standing up there on the hill while they're fighting the Amalekites down in the valley, and and Aaron and her, his arms begin to weaken. And and as he lets down his arms, they begin to lose the battle down in the field. Oh, that's that's us, isn't it? You you find out somebody that you thought just had it going on, I mean, man, they're, they're back in church, things are going good and you let down your hands y'all don't do that you let down your hands and you find out the next week they had a bad week they struggled let me tell you something Moses hands dropped and they were losing the battle down in the field and uh, in order to keep his hands up Aaron and her put up a stone underneath him and they each got under him and held up an arm we ought to be supporting each other one person can't do it alone you know Families that are in here, and you think they're doing good, they're in church, man, they're in discipleship, and all of a sudden everything falls apart. Why? Because you took it for granted that God's going to take care of them. God wants intercessory warriors. And you have Paul who's up there in Rome and he's in prison, and if anybody could be sitting there thinking, Woe is me, Paul could. And Paul's up there in Rome and he's in prison. He's not able to go around, but Paul doesn't let that stop him. I can write letters. All right, then. People can come visit. You mean you're going to chain me up to a Roman soldier all day? Let me tell you about Jesus. I'll never forget. You know, Brother Luther Spivey, he'd come and do revival meetings. Brother Luther Spivey, I've told you about him before. Brother Luther Spivey, get into a... Man, we looked forward to hearing him. And we'd sit up front. And you had to have the spit shield. I mean, we're talking old-timey preaching. We're talking... We're talking somebody's just about tore up his voice because he doesn't know how to do it from down here. And he was doing it been doing it up here too long. I he'd get a little hoarse. Well, Brother Luther now, he didn't he didn't sit there and preach out a four-point outline or three points in a poem. He would get up there and he would tell you a story. And out of all the sermons I've heard in my lifetime, I still remember some of his. Matter of fact, y'all whether y'all know it or not, I've I've used some of his. But uh because he would paint a picture and he painted a picture one New Year's Eve night we had a watch night service and he was up there and I'll never forget that man he's up there preaching and he he didn't get into doctrine he didn't get into the Greek he didn't get into all that but he had another preacher helping him and he had him come up and he arranged it ahead of time and he took a piece of cloth or a piece of leather or something like that and wrapped it around both their arms and he was sitting there writing And the preacher, who was playing a Roman soldier, they didn't dress up and all that. But he looked over there. What are you writing there, Paul? And then he'd start giving him some Bible. And you just never forget an image like that. It's like old Zacchaeus going door to door. That wasn't original, but man, it was good. You never forget it. So Paul's there, and he's ty- he, he, he could be all worried about himself. He could be all worried. Man, my ministry's over. I'm stuck. No. Paul was witnessing to everybody he came across. And he sees Philemon, and he witnesses to him, uh, not Philemon, Onesimus, and Onesimus gets saved. But you see here in the start of the letter, Paul is an intercessor in this case. And then you've also got to have, and I don't know if these fit good, but you've got to have the reception. And that would be Philemon. How is Philemon going to receive it? You know, because we don't really know how Philemon received this letter. Paul writes it, and he is I'm, I'm going to tell you the non-spiritual side of my first thought when I was reading this letter. The non-spiritual side, Paul was kind of buttering him up in the beginning. That's the non-spiritual thought. It's like Paul's kind of buttering him up. But you know what? I don't think Paul was. I don't think that was in Paul. I think Paul was just thinking back about the things that he'd heard about Philemon because he says down here unto our beloved of and Archippus, our fellow soldier to the church in thy house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. I don't think Paul ceased praying or interceding on behalf of Philemon, he heard about that church at Colossae, I bet he had a list of churches that he went through buddy, I bet his his knees had calluses hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints and he talks about Philemon I don't think he's just making stuff up I don't think he's buttering him up I think Paul's talking with sincerity he's saying I hear you're doing good down there brother I hear you got the little church going in your house, and I, man, you're a good testimony. but uh, he says he's a prisoner. Paul says, "A prisoner of Jesus Christ." Over in uh, Philippians 4:11. well, let's see, uh, as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, imagine Paul sitting there in prison and imagine being so close to Jesus Christ that no matter what's going on in your life, you don't have any blame for anyone. Because Paul's life, after he got saved, after that Damascus Road experience, God God had told, God had said, how many great things he must suffer for my sake. He knew Paul was going to suffer. And if, Paul, if anybody could complain, it's like, man, I try to witness to these Jews and they get mad at me. Trying to kill the messenger. <laughs> Paul didn't worry about that when he got ran out of town. He'd go to the Gentiles. When they got mad, he would, he would go first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And that's what he said. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But he would go to the Jew. He said his heart was after the Jew. He, his, if, he could, if he could be lost In order for his Jewish brethren to be saved, that's what he would desire. But God made him the apostle to the Gentiles. And you know God will do that to you? If God's got a ministry for you, and if this sermon doesn't finish, we'll start again next week, same place. But God, if God's got a ministry for you, it may not be what you think it is. It may not be where you have a desire to go. The old preacher we know, he spoke German, he was from Germany, his heart was after the Germans. But God used him here. God used him at a little church in Florida, street preaching, training preachers, things like that. He never made it to Germany. He never got to be a missionary. God didn't want it. And as much as Paul wanted to be a a witness to the the Jews, and he would try, but God had him for the Gentiles. And praise God for it, because we got 13 books we look at, and, and Paul is talking straight to us. So he's an intercessor. And no matter what he's going through, he he doesn't blame God. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Well, Paul, we understand, you know, yeah, you're in prison over there in Rome. You know, because those Roman soldiers put you in prison, and because, man, they've got you bound up, they got you locked up in a house. And, and no, I'm here because that's right where God wants me. Imagine your life being so close to God. You don't sit there and find the bad in the circumstance. You just say, well, it's... Happen to be where God wants me. You know, I, one lesson I never forgot. I was going to, uh, we had a preacher, Brother Ralph Stokes. I'm, I'm going to wander a little bit. We had a preacher, Brother Ralph Stokes, come by the church at Calvary Baptist area. And that's when the Lord was really working on my heart, every service. Man, we'd go to revival meeting. The Lord working on me, dealing with me about preaching and things. But uh, Brother Ralph Stokes came, and his ministry was to, set up ministries in the youth homes, in the in the detention youth detention centers. And this is where they do adult crimes, <laughs> but they're in a youth facility. They're still too young to be adults. And he came to the church and I, I just I went up there and I said, Brother Ralph, I think I'm supposed to talk to you. Listening for the Lord. And uh He he set me up with a a friend. He became a friend of mine, Brother David Walker, Dr. David Walker. But he set me up with him, and I called him up. We've been friends ever since. He preaches over there in uh, Florida in Calvary. But uh, I went up there that first time with Brother Ralph, and we went up there, and we got as far as the parking lot, and it was one of those nights they had to go on lockdown. They had a fight. We get up there, and it was a little, this this is my first time at the detention center. This wasn't very encouraging. We're sitting there looking at it, and you know, you see a kid about 13 or 14 years old doing the frog march. Chains on his leg, orange jumpsuit, walking in the yard, and they got everything locked down so we can't go in. And uh, I said, well, Brother Ralph, there's a. There's a revival meeting there in Macon. We had to drive past Macon to get to where we were. I said, there's a revival meeting down Macon. I'm not quite sure where it is, but, you know, we could go to that. They said, well, I'd be fine. I said, I'm not sure where it is, but I think I know. And that's before GPS and phones and all that. Well, you had phones, but, you know. So we, we go driving down, and I get on the other side of Macon, and I'm like, man, this isn't right. It's not the church that I thought it was. And, uh... We we drive around. We're like an hour late for what time I thought church was starting. I said, Brother Ralph, I'm sorry. I've made us miss this thing. He said, I think I know the one you're talking about. He said, Follow me. And uh, I followed him, and we got there. And I knew Brother Grady was going there, my pastor. Matter of fact, Brother David Walker was there too. But uh, we pull up, and I'm like, Man, I'm sorry. I think this meeting was supposed to start at seven, and it's like eight o'clock. Or it was supposed to start at six, and it was seven o'clock. It was an hour later. We're walking up the door, and he said, "He said, don't worry about it. He said, I trust God's providence." And I said, "Okay." And as we're walking in, it's like, oh man, they're already doing the closing prayer. And my pastor was standing up, and he was praying. man they're already doing a closing prayer we walk in there everybody sits down grabs their hymnal starts singing (laughs) you don't forget stuff like that he said I I trust God's providence and you know and you say well it was going to start at that time anyway you just didn't know well that's true but we got there right on time regardless of what I knew I just trust God's providence. And there's Paul, he's a prisoner. He said, I just trust God's providence. God put me here for a reason. This is where I'm supposed to be. And Paul, no matter what circumstance, in Philippians 4:11 he says, not that I speak, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased That means I know how to be down on my backside. I know how to be down. I know, you know, when things are going bad, I know I'm I'm brought low. It humbles you when things aren't going well. When you think you got everything under control, man, you're riding high. But when you're abased, you're riding low. He says, I know how both to be abased and to abound. And I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. You know, some people don't know how to abound. And uh, some people, when things are riding high, they forget all about God. They forget all about what they're supposed to be doing. But Paul knew how to do both. It didn't matter whether he was down on his luck or whether he was riding high and everything's working out. He knew how to do both. He said, I know how both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then here's the verse everybody knows. They think this is so that they can, you know, start a business. They can uh, have a successful life. They can do this. They can do that. But Philippians 4.13. You remember what Paul just said right before this. He said, I know how to both be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to be poor. I know how to be rich. I know how to be hungry. I know how to be full. I know how to handle it. He said, because he's trusting in God's providence. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now that's a verse to memorize, but it's also a verse to know the context of. I mean, there's verses in the Bible that'll just, you can ride high on them, but you also got to realize the context because his servant suffered. When when you begin to live for God, things aren't always going to go your way. And I hate to tell you, I'm not going to go too far down here because I, I try to keep politics out of the pulpit. But I hate to tell you, things are about to get bad. And just for saying certain things, you're going to be put in prison. Somebody sent me a video and I watched it. And The preacher was brave. He was saying a lot more than I was. And it's not because I'm afraid so much. It's just, you know, I don't want to get so far into politics. I get away from the Bible. But I tell you what, you, gonna, you live for God. The, the church, is, and this is something he said, he said the church is about to get thinned out. And that's what happens when the persecution comes. You find out where your heart is. All those people that are going to church and they say, well, you know, I, God is good, God is great all the time. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And he is. But you also got to understand there's those low moments too. It's not always riding high. It's not always, you know, getting a new house or a new car. I know y'all know that. I'm just saying. It's going to be even harder here coming up in the future. Because they're already changing things to where your speech is a crime. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. It may be suffering. It may be lasting through the suffering. Paul had that, uh, Paul, Paul had the thorn in the flesh. He asked, he asked God three times to take it away. God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. I don't need to take it away. You can stand it. No matter how bad you think you can't, I know you can. Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? That's lifting up. That's a positive message. And it is positive because God is in control. Trust God's providence. It looks like this is going to be a three-sermon message. But uh, he had a life of ministry for Christ. Look at verse number 9. He says, He says, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul the aged. They say he was about might have been about 60 years old when he wrote this letter. You know how by, he'd been stoned to death. He'd been let down in a basket. He'd, he'd traveled many miles on foot. You know, we get aches and pains just riding in a car. Your body, you, you, you make use of your body when you're young. Your body reminds you of it when you're old. I remember I, did, I was in the, when I was in the Navy and we had we called it the ballroom, but uh, there at the back of the ship, you know, the 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 crew's money pulled together or whatever into a fund, and we bought they'd bought weights and everything and bought the rubber mats and everything. You could go back there and lift weights, and uh, I was man, I was fit, no, but uh, <laughs> I can't help it, y'all. I know how to abase myself, but uh, I remember Master Chief, and uh, it, we had a Master Chief Petty Officer on our ship. And, and if you don't know, if you've never been in the Navy, Master Chief Petty Officer, and I want to say what he is, but I don't want to say it here. Not because of the language, but because of what I was about to elevate him to. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to take it back. Let me see. In the United States, Navy, a master chief just came. There you go. And so you come down to the altar when we have when we finish up. But, I mean, I see master chief over there, and he's an older fellow. And he's over there working out. Man, he's got arms like this. And, you know, when you're working on your noodles and see that, it's like, Man. <laughs> And uh, but you know, Master Chief, he'd been lifting weights for so long, he had so many aches and pains, his elbows, and I got it too, after a little while, you know, it, right here in the shoulder, the rotator cuff, you know, you don't lift right or I don't know, it just you start using your body, it starts to rebel. So Paul, the aged, Paul had done all those miles on the road, Paul had been beaten with stones and fallen dead and come back up. And and so, you imagine his body was hurting all the age. He had a lifetime of ministry. But see, it wasn't just a physical condition. Imagine the heartbreak that Paul saw. The people that he came across, that he'd seen come to the Lord and then fall away. He said in one of the books, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And we see it so many times in church. And it hurts. It hurts as a pastor. I mean, sometimes I hurt myself and I've run people off, not, not sitting there with whips and cords, running them off, but just saying something wrong. And later I go over it and go over it. What made them mad? What made them And I hear what it said. But then there's the other part where people just trip themselves up. And that hurts too. You see them do them right. You see them drawing close to the Lord. You know, and maybe you fell down on prayer. It's not all your fault, but you, you know, that intercessory prayer. You all, you want to remember Those that we're thinking about right now, those that you're thinking about that are here or that have been here and keep them them in prayer because it's a daily battle. The devil is out there everywhere. And uh, keep them in prayer. And uh, but the heartbreak that he saw, the people that were that were growing in the ministry and then falling out, the people that were hurt, that did nothing wrong. It, the, the, the people that came to him for help and he offered them help and maybe they felt you know, the lifetime of ministry that Paul had. He said he's, he's not, he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a man, not a matter of blame, not a matter of fault, not being con, uh, just a matter of being confident enough in your walk with Jesus Christ that you understand that he directs your steps. But it, Paul the aged, look at verse number 1 again. He says in verse number one, and Timothy our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. You know, I've talked before about being in a church and getting harnessed up, and and I shy away from it. But I tell you what, as we have a church, as as we there there there's work to be done. You look out there, you can't just coast. There's work to be done. I know. I get that look. And I know. But uh Sometimes you gotta be pushed to do it. But you can't just stagnate, you know? And Paul didn't just stagnate stagnate in his relationship with Jesus Christ, but he was he said, I'm willing to be spent, both to be spent and to spend for you. He was willing to give of himself. He was willing to, to wear himself out. I think that was in Corinthians when he was talking to him. But uh a life of ministry in Christ an intercessory ministry in prayer and practice. He wrote the letter and the promise made. I think next week we're going to look at the mature Christian who is Philemon that he talks about. So, I know this, I didn't have a conclusion for this part, but this is a good place to stop right now. Are you trusting God's providence? And are you walking close enough to the Lord that whatever state you find yourself in, you say, it's where the Lord wants me. Whether you're abased or whether you're bound. And I think that's the biggest thing. That peace for, peace of God that passeth all understanding. When you're in God's will, that's where that peace comes from. No matter what's going on, no matter what storm, no matter who's spitting at you, no matter who's yelling at you, no matter what's going wrong, it's knowing God's in control. And that's where I want to put it today. Is God in control of your life? We talked this morning about that Gethsemane moment. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Here you'll stand.